Evening Chelsea fans, welcome back to another week of Chelsea with me Moose and JB. Don't forget to subscribe, hit the bell notification, smash the like button and drop us a comment. So this week we're going to go through the disaster of a week we've had as Chelsea fans. Crystal Palace game, that's what I'll leave it as and then obviously the absolute dross that was Sheffield United yesterday. Obviously, the, tra- the, sort of the transfer tracker, I know it's a segment everyone's been waiting for every week. Um, you will hear the theme tune, don't worry. Um, and then we'll look forward to Norwich and United and some of the news stories that are going to be important for Chelsea coming forward. So, JV, where do we want to start? It's not a great place to start, but where do you want to start? Really isn't anywhere other to start than Palace, I think. Might as well do it chronologically. Doesn't really I mean, matter. Both were equally as bad. Actually, no, no, they no, weren't equally as bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I was watching the Palace game, and I think it's just frustration. There were so many good bits, but they were all equally so many bad bits about the game. The, the the fact is, we should have killed the game off so early. And and don't get me wrong, the Zaha goal was absolutely unreal. Like, but we shouldn't be that easy to walk back into a game once we've almost killed it off. No. It I was... think the, the, the problem there was once we conceded that goal, they were just all over us after that. It gave them a bit of confidence. We kind of panicked and just dropped back and all of a sudden they, they smelt blood and they were just killing us in midfield physically. And obviously with Gilmore in there, which, I mean, he didn't have a particularly bad game, but he is such a small bloke, so... He was just getting completely bossed off the ball every time, as was Barkley and as was Mason Mount. So it, it really just, they overpowered us. And all of a sudden, as soon as that goal went in, we just literally dropped and fell apart. It was just horrendous. Interesting point. So you mentioned lineups. So I think you're two for two on picking the lineups at the moment. Um... Uh, no, I think I went for Jorginho over, um, over Gilmore in that one. I, I thought... Georgini might have been given the start, uh, so I got that wrong. And then the Sheffield United game, I went for Giroud, but it was Abraham. So I got one wrong on both of them. So let's go so let's go look at the lineups. I mean, if we look at the four defenders, we've said those are probably going to be our back four for the end of the season. Um, once again, there's question marks across the defence. Um, we had, I mean, going forward... Let's give look at the positives here. Pulisic has been on fire. Absolutely different class. You can see moments of absolute brilliance and Crystal Palace couldn't handle him when yeah, we were on his, our front foot. His goal was uh, just sublime. I mean, if it wasn't for that Zaha goal, you know, that would have been clearly the best goal of the game. It was just an absolute screamer. Just he, he, He's got that, I mean... I'm not going to sort of go and overstate it quite yet because I think there's been many players who've overstated so far, but he's got that a bit of a hazard about him, but it's more direct than hazard. Sometimes hazard used to probably overdo it at certain points, but he's got that direct nature. Um, For defenders, he's frightening. The, The footwork he brings and the ability to run at speed and have that control of the ball. I wouldn't want to be coming up against him at the moment. Um, William had an excellent game again. Um, 
you in interestingly mentioned Gilmore. Um, don't get me wrong. I thought he had an absolutely outstanding game for Crystal Palace. I don't think he's quite there as a fully-fledged Premier League cent centre midfielder. But... Um, and, and, and he's showing at the moment not having Kovacic and not having Kante is really hitting us hard because when you when we play against Watford you had Barkley and Mount just playing forward had that freedom to go forward and they're good at going forward but on the back foot they're not necessarily the midfield we need they and, and Gilmore's not been good enough from the Sheffield United game Jorginho's definitely not been good enough um, I'm surprised he's not put Loftus-Cheek in there. Now, I know he's not a natural central defensive midfielder, but just someone who can go and bully the midfield. Um, yeah, I mean, but... without Kante, we, we really do struggle in there because uh, you can see Lampard wants to play with the two kind of number 10s in, um, or sorry, two number 8s, really, um, in Barkley and Mount. Um it, it just, I, I don't think you can unless you have Kante in there because, as, uh, as I've always said, Kante is like having two men playing there. Like his work rate is incredible and his defensive work is, is just unbelievable. He, he can stop the counter attacks um, and he's like deceivingly strong for his size as well. So, without him there, we really do struggle. Um, and I, I think we're, when he's not playing, you kind of have to play with two in the pivot instead. Um, yeah. So if you're going to play, like, uh, I don't want to jump forward to yesterday's game, but when you play Jorginho there, you kind of have to have a Kovacic next to him because one of you can cover defensively whilst the other one is the, the playmaker, Jorginho kind of thing. But Kante can do both at the same time, but he's just that good. Yeah. So I think, you know, if we went, went, if, without Kante there, I think you kind of need two holding. Um, yeah. And that we, as I said, we got overrun in midfield because of that. Um, I think quite a few times we, we had Mount and Barkley not out of position, but a bit f too far forwards considering the fact that they were trying to come at us. So we, I think it kind of cost us, almost cost us the game, but it, it, it really gave us a panic in the end. And do you know what I think it is at the moment? And, and we were talking around it. We've been talking around it all week, to be honest. But one of the things I find is at the start of the season people sort of didn't know what to expect from us and were expecting a bit of a, probably an easy walkover. Um, and we sort of turned up and really sort of changed our expectations. So they were unprepared on how to play for us. During that break, people have obviously wised up that we're actually a bit of a force to reckon with. And then I realised that we've got some gaping holes in certain areas. So people want to play against us now. I think like uh, I, we were talking about this before, when people turn up to play against Man United, at the moment they're they're worried because you know Man United are just scoring goals for fun. They're really dangerous and they're playing well. So teams know, and not many people are seeing what their weaknesses are. I mean, I think they do have defensive weaknesses, but teams are struggling to break that weakness. With us, we've shown so many times now that defensively we're awful. Set pieces, we can be like beaten. Um, defensively, main the main problem is the the physical strength when we have a, a physical striker up against us Christiansen gets bullied too much and so teams are not afraid to come and have a go at us and it's given them that confidence so they do come 
it looks yeah. always looks to us like you know teams just roll over for Man United. But what's actually happening is we've been so bad that teams feel more confident to have a go against us because they feel like they can get something out of the game. And it's our own fault for doing that, really. We've not addressed the issues and it's, it's now costing us later on. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head is the fact that is we seem to be playing worse against some of the smaller clubs because they typically lean on a, a big striker. You look at yeah. Antonio for West Ham, you look at even to the point of Ben Teke, uh, Crystal Palace, a player that hasn't played well against any club. You, so we're just coming up against it time and time again. And players know that if we go and bully Christensen, you'll see him on the floor. He, he's not going to win a header. He's not doing that. You've got the physicality of Zuma, but Zuma's just not got that. He's just not being able to go and run the whole defence. And I think you've just seen a lack of maturity across the back four. I don't know I think it's... I feel, sorry, I think, I think it's the... With Zuma, he's got everything you need, just not the communication um, and the leadership abilities. He... He leads with the way he plays, but he does like that. As as like again, I don't want to jump forward to yesterday's game, but Lampard after the game, you know, he said that he couldn't even hear the Chelsea players because there was no communication going on whatsoever. And it's obviously something that he's picked up on, and yeah. that's that is what our problem is. You know, they, there's no communication at the back, so people can just pull us from one side to the other and run us ragged. Like there's just no cohesion at the back. And as, as you know, as we discussed last week, I don't know if the fact that he's changed that defence so many times is causing the problem. Um, but I do think we lack a player that just grabs you by the scruff of the neck and pulls that defence together, like John Terry used to do, like even Gary Cahill did. You know, it's, it's, it's that's the where we're struggling. Yeah, it's that, it's that, that sort of you look at Liverpool a couple of seasons ago, and they were laughing stock because you could they could score for fun but they couldn't defend for love nor money. And we're in the same position. We've got a great attacking and, and it's starting to come together. Obviously, Abraham's had a bit of a slow start since the back of COVID, but we've got a really interesting, quite sort of good sort of midfield, quite good sort of attacking, as long as we've got the right players in the place. So if you've got Kovacic, you've got Kante, we're, we're all good. But for me, it's just a bit like, defensively, we just don't know what we're doing. I mean, the only player I would keep in the team that week in, week out is Dave because he's versatile to play centre-back, left-back, right-back. Um, he might not have the legs that he used to, but he does the job. But having a good left-back or right-back doesn't win you a game. You need a great defence that just knows what they're doing. It's like a well think- sort of I think I would stick with Zuma, but I think you just need someone else in there that firstly is not necessarily equally as strong because Zuma, you know, Zuma is a big, strong lad. But you need someone with a bit of strength and has that leadership and communication. Like a Van Dyke, you know, I'm not saying go out and get him because obviously that's impossible, but like we just need that one, one guy. I, I, I was thinking about this yesterday. Like, I, I feel actually quite bad for Kepa now because it's starting to look more and more to me like he's not actually the problem. I mean, he could help by being a bit better in terms of, you know, being a bit more commanding of the box, um, being a bit more strong and physical, coming for crosses, that kind of thing. He could help, but he's going to concede all these goals when you've got so many shots coming at you every game because the defence is just not helping him at all. No, I mean, 
I mean, we're not going to jump ahead to the Sheffield United game quite yet, but there were a number of times where those shots spilled and you'd expect your defence just to be on that, clearing the lines rather than expecting your keeper to do that. Now, if we go back to sort of the Crystal Palace game itself, it was it was such a tense game. It was up and down time and time again. I mean, I thought I was going to have a heart attack, honestly. Like, honestly. I was, my nerves were completely gone. My nails, I'd chewed them down to the very bottom it was in we were to start with agent agent cahill to start with i mean (laughs) i mean don't get me wrong i feel sorry for the lad yeah yeah pulling up with an injury like that against your old club is probably not the best thing but you gotta give it to Giroud. great goal like i mean yeah a lot of the right place right place right time and managed to finish it which you just need you just need someone to go and get that early goal, give us that confidence, and in the end, that goal counted towards getting us a three points. Pulisic, don't get me wrong, we've already said it, but absolutely outstanding goal. Um, and I thought at that point we're going to be on to sort of four or five goals here. And then just out of nowhere, that Zaha goal outside the box, absolute ping that Kepa couldn't. Kepa should have done more to be honest. Yeah, he should have. On that one, he he was. Not straight at him, but it was you know just above his head. He he can't. It almost looked like he dived out of the way. Um, I don't think it's one that you know every goalkeeper should be expected to save, but I think a top goalkeeper to should it, yeah. save that. And and I know it was hit of power. Don't get me wrong. That that that, that pinged it from outside of the box, but he should be doing a bit better than that. At least getting his hand to it. It almost looked like he was diving the complete wrong way. So I don't know what yeah. that was, but. Ignoring that fact, they got back into the game um, and they gave us a hard time in the second half. Um, sort of, obviously, we, we took off Giroud, we took off um, and sort of uh, Billy Gilmore um, and Ross Barkley. Ruben looked good and we were getting some nice interplay between Ruben and Tammy. It was looking positive again. We got the second, third goal. Um, and then we just... that. Ben Teke goal just seconds later, wasn't it? It was almost immediately it, after it the... was like, and I was like, "Where on earth has this come from?" We we'd literally just killed the game off here. We'd, we'd been they'd been pressing us back. We've killed the game off. We're three one up, and from the Ben Teke goal onwards, which was I think the Ben Teke goal was around seventy minutes, seventy one, seventy two. I was worried for the rest of the game. They looked like they were had another goal in them, and we were really fortunate not to do that. And that shouldn't be like a club like Chelsea. At two 0 up, that should be it. We should be able to make sure they're completely out of the game. It just wasn't good enough, to be honest. Um, no, it shouldn't. The... It shouldn't have been that close. Like, no, no offense to to Crystal Palace, but they've been bad. You know, like they yesterday they lost to, or sorry, today they they lost to Villa two 0 Villa, are, you know, looking like they're probably going down, especially after. You know, Leicester's result we just now was finished as we're recording this. They've Bournemouth have just beaten Leicester four one. So that's you know, shows how bad really Villa are and they've just turned over Crystal Palace. Like we just struggled so hard. It, yeah, it was it wasn't good. That wasn't that wasn't good. We got the three points, happy days, but it was not by any means as easy as it should have been. Yeah, we're now into, well, we we got to third in that game and the expectation is we've got a good run of games going forward. So on to the Sheffield United game, coming off a win, we were shaky at best, but you feel the lads could have bounced back from that. You could have given the same effort they gave in the first half. 
and boy did they just not turn up. I mean, you could have literally put on a, a team of reserves and they probably would have played better. Just no one seemed to be able to do anything. And we were set. I mean, the, the perfect stat that sums up yesterday's game is 76% possession and a 3-0 loss. With 76% possession, people were talking around how Sheffield United ran us ragged. And you're going, how, how on earth can you have so much possession and do so little with it? It was true, though. <laughs> like, we... I'm not denying it. It's just the facts just don't line up. If you, when you look at it, I mean, what I took away from the game was Sheffield United played well. Chelsea passed it around their defence for 76% of the game. It, we just had nothing at all. Defensively poor again. Surprise, surprise. Going forward this time, I mean, like, I don't want to blame everything on Abraham because he didn't really get that much service. But any time the ball was up there, he was running in the wrong direction. As I said before, you know, uh, he was like... Um, Bambi on ice. He's making a run in one direction. Someone's passing it in a different direction. Just there was no cohesion there. And I can't help but think that Giroud would have been a better choice to start. And what I, I've got a feeling he would have done. I think well, three games left for the end of the season. And I, I feel in that if I was Lampard and I was in Lampard's shoes, I'd start Tammy for the United game. Because if we if we don't make it in the FA Cup, we don't make it in the FA Cup. I keep Giroud on for the, the remainder of the season. I feel having Timo being announced before the end of the season as has properly put at Sammy at a, a loose end. Um, he, if you look at his performance before COVID, absolutely outstanding. Couldn't fault him. One of those strikers, you go, he just writes himself into the, the starting eleven, And you go, Giroud's a nice backup for him. And he just doesn't. He doesn't look the same. It's something I don't know if it's the I don't know if it's the contract situation that's kind of messing with his head a little bit. Um, I was I was hearing some stuff that potentially he's um, his contract's now automatically renewed because he hit a certain landmark for goals or something like that, um, which means you know he gets a bit more money, but he, it, the the contract has now extended for another year. Maybe that will start to resolve things. I don't know. There's all these, you know, stuff coming out saying that he's asking for 150k a week. You, you can't pay him that. Not after the way he's played recently. Um, I, I, I think, you know, he he had a good start to the season. What I think he scored like three or four goals since November. Yeah, which is not good enough. If he played like he did at the beginning of the season consistently throughout the season, then yeah, you could say he's a hundred and fifty thousand pound a week player. Not having scored more than a few goals since uh, since November. I, I just I'm kind of starting to lose a bit of patience with him. Um, just the way he's playing at the moment, it's probably just a bit of bad form, and he needs a bit more confidence to, yeah. to come back through. And maybe a bit of you know after preseason, come back next year, and he might have kind of picked himself up again. But the way he's playing now, I I just I don't want to honestly see him start another game for the rest of the season not as like a punishment kind of thing but just because I trust Giroud more to to do us a job yeah you know bring him on as a, an impact sub later in the game fine but I, I, he just needs to start Giroud for, for the rest of the season 100% brought, I've just brought him up um, here so if I look at the 2019-2020 season 14 goals now that for me is not 150 grand a week player He's a great player, but he's not 150 grand on that record. No. 0.45 goals per game. It just doesn't it's seem almost to be a goal as... every other game, which sounds 
good, but considering mm. most of those were scored at the beginning of the season, he should have you know pressed on from then. But instead, he's just taken a big step backwards. I think. And he is our top goal scorer in the Premier League this season. But I think it sort of it, 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 it shows when you've got a player who has should be having this much impact consistently. Um, and considering how well we played for Aston Villa last season. And don't get me wrong, not a lot of people were expecting much from him this season. There were even questions whether he'd stay this season. And I was really glad when he has. I feel that he, you can just tell that a big money signing that's coming in to compete with him has, has sort of shook his head. I don't know if you're going to see the same from his contract negotiations and stuff like that. But I'm just worried that you've got a player with a lot of talent just not doing what he needs to. And he's had a lot of seasons out on loan, some good, some bad. And he's just not hitting the heights that I want to for, for, for a player in a Chelsea shirt, to be honest. The chef, I mean, if we go back to the Sheffield United game, personally, Jorginho is awful. And he's not a player who can deputise for Kovacic and Kante. He cannot defend for love nor money. And, and we've already talked around our defensive woes. Christensen's not good enough, full stop. Um, and, and we've spoken around this every week now. He's just not going to be able to be a, make it as a Chelsea player. He's fine when he's playing against, like, funnily enough, it's that when he plays against the, the big teams, he's good because, you know, look at the City game as an example. They had Bernardo Silva playing up front. He's not there to bully the defence, you know, he's there to, to pass and move. Christiansen can deal with that. He's good on the ground, but the second the ball comes in the air and you up against the big strong bloke, he just falls to pieces. He's too weak. I'd play him, I'd play, I would play him um, against United because... Yeah. They have, don't have a big, strong man up front to, to bully him about. So, I mean, Martial is probably stronger than him because, as I said, Christiansen is weak. But it's, it's not going to be as bad. So, I think, you know, him that, that back four that we played, we've been playing will be fine against um, United. Probably against Norwich too, to be honest, because they, they've got uh, Puki. He's not, a, you know, a big, strong target man either. So, I, I think... In those kind of games, Christensen and Rudiger combined are a very good partnership. It's just when you come up against these big, strong strikers, especially two of them. I mean, Christensen had to deal with one of them. You can't rely on Zuma to deal with one big target man when they're playing two of them. He just got absolutely bullied. It was disgraceful. It really was. It was disgraceful. And, and, and uh, equally, Rudiger coming on halfway through the game didn't improve stuff. I think to your point, Rudiger equally hasn't got that leadership quality. He hasn't got that ability to command the back four. You just need someone who's got that strong presence. As you say, a Cahill, John Terry, a, a Virgil van Dijk-esque player who's just going to own that defence and mm-hmm. tell them where to be. And, and once you've got that player, you could play Zuma, you could play Rudiger, and you'd Don't have worry. a great back four. But you can't play any of those because they're too immature. They've not got that maturity to do that yet. Um, James didn't have a great game. Uh, I don't know we're just talking around most of the players now. But Do you know what he... it is? I think go, going along with what you said before, I think teams have kind of started to suss us out a little bit that we like to play down the right-hand side. And obviously you've got Reese James there uh, and Willian who can both put in a decent cross. So teams know if they just stop us playing down the right-hand sides and force us onto the left, you've got Azpilicueta who has to cut back to cross it in because he's not left-footed. Um, and then you've got uh, Pulisic, who he doesn't. You don't tend to see him cross the ball. He dribbles and he tries to bring yeah. it in. So if they can stop us playing down that right, then it, it restricts us quite a lot. And that's why I think it's making Reese James look worse 
I don't yeah. think he's actually played that badly. Um, he's put some great balls into the box. Don't get me wrong. I just think going back, he's been poor. Um, I think sort of. You uh, I'd, think... I'd say that goal uh, on Saturday. I think that was more Willian. Um, that was kind of to blame because it was his man that that put the ball in, and he just kind of got confused and didn't track him. Um, to, be, to be honest, I think there's not a player on the pitch on Saturday that can't be blamed for something that happened because, you know, there were so many mistakes that led up to each goal. There was like almost every single goal, there was like a minimum of two or three mistakes um, and everyone had a part to play in how poor we were. I mean, like the attack, it's hard to blame like the front three, but when they did have the chances and when they did have the opportunity to create something, they didn't. And you have to, in a game like that, when you're playing against such a offensively strong team, you have to be clinical when you, those chances come to you. And they didn't. Even Pulisic, like, again, he didn't really have too many opportunities to do anything. But when he did, he, he was just running into another player. And he, he, wasn't, he didn't have options of what to do because no one around him was making the right runs. No one was helping him out at all. So it wasn't particularly his fault. But he didn't have a good game because the people around him didn't allow that to happen. It's just they had a better energy. They just it, We looked so lacklustre. And once again... We've been fortunate to retain third. I mean, I was fully expecting for us to drop to fourth and, and United catch us. Well, um, they will. They obviously they play tomorrow night. So, uh, or, and, and when uh, people are watching this, it'll be tonight. But they, I, I mean, United will probably be Southampton and we'll, we'll go down to fourth. But at least we're staying in the top four, I think, is the, is the important thing. Yeah. So, as, as it currently stands, we're, we're currently in, in third position with 60 points, uh, Leicester on. 59 points in fourth um, I feel United are going to win um, there at the moment they're not bottling it quite like Chelsea and Leicester are the benefit we've got is Leicester potentially got quite a difficult run of games going forward which will keep us there and, and then we're going to talk in a bit around the potential news around the Man City ruling which happens on Monday um, that potentially allows fifth to get Champions League football, um, and that's a whole kettle of fish for us to sort of talk around there. But for me, I think the honest thing is we just weren't good enough in those games. Um, for what you expect as a Chelsea fan, defensively, we weren't good enough, especially in the Sheffield United game, attacking and midfield. Just no one had that ability, and, and something's got to change. I mean, potentially we've got the Norwich game on Tuesday, um, and we'll do some updates around that. But we're going to have to head into that to try and build our confidence. You've got a team that's already been relegated. They've got nothing to play for. And we just need to go and hit four or five against them to, to just build that confidence into the United and Liverpool games. Because for something that looking really positive and us keeping Champions League spot is now at risk. And it's almost who's going to drop more points, us or Leicester, rather than are we actually going to battle for it. And that still doesn't say that you couldn't see a, a Wolves... Um, come up and sort of sneak into fifth spot. Um, so it's all to play for, to be honest. Now, on to everyone's favourite highlight of the week. To the transfer tracker! I'm intrigued this week. There's a, there's a few interesting ones on the list. A few new ones. Because uh, we've obviously been speaking around... Kai Havertz, what, what are you thinking? Um, there's potential... Yeah, no, I, th- I think, um, as I said last week, I think uh, the, it's actually come out in the news now that they're saying it's going to be dependent on if we get 
Champions League football. Um, I, I, you know, come tomorrow if they turn around and say that City have um, have got their their ban upheld, then I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of days later Havertz is is officially announced. I'll be honest, the way I'm feeling after yesterday, I kind of think I don't really care about whether Havertz comes or not. We need a centre back, and that is that should be priority number one, followed by a left back, and then we can sign a luxury player like um, Havertz. Oh, 90 million on Kai Havertz. After last yesterday's sort of performance, I would rather spend 90 million elsewhere. Um, Kula Bali. Kula Bali, obvious. If you're going to if you're going to go out and spend 90 million on the player, if you can't afford two of them, go and get Kula Bali. And you know, our midfield we've got a strong midfield anyway. Um I, I Havertz is an unbelievable player and our attack would be outrageous, but it's not going to do anything without a defence behind it that's not going to concede 50 goals in a season, which we already have done. Um, you mean, that's you what at... needs to be, you know, so, sorry, that's what needs to be uh, addressed first and foremost. You look at, um, you, you look at sort of Liverpool two seasons ago, them just trying to outscore the opposition still didn't win them games. The City team of just trying to outscore it has not been a great mentality. It's not been a great strategy for clubs. They've been able to build on it. They've been able to buy those sorts of players, but they've had absolutely awful seasons. They've not. They've still been challenging for Champions League without good defence, because undoubtedly you'll turn up to a Champions League game and have yeah. an outstanding attacking against you and just get absolutely ripped apart, which loses everyone's confidence. I mean, if we look at Kudabali, the amount of sort of clean sheets that he's got, he just comes with that air of someone who's going to walk into the club. And just sort of settle it all down. Settle it down, and I'd be willing to go and sort of pay for that amount. I, I can't. I, I don't think I can have another season where I'm just watching this level of defensive incompetence. I think it's the only yeah, way th- of putting it. I think the problem with um, Kula Bali would be trying to persuade them to join us over City because I think City look quite interested in him. Um, as I've also seen some. Uh, rumours about Liverpool which would be frightening Van Dijk and Koulibaly at the back no one is scoring a goal against you um, so that you know that's that's an issue but th- the problem is for that kind of player there is not really anyone else out there that would be available I mean the the other options that really I've I've kind of seen is Declan Rice who He's not big. He he's got the communication and the leadership side. I mean, he's their captain, or he's, he plays as their captain when Noble's not there. The other one is uh, Upamecano, who he, again he's a young uh, young player. He's I think what twenty one years old, and he's not necessarily going to have that aura, that you know, that leadership and and strength and communication, and that's not gonna he's not going to bring that with him. So really, Kulabali is the only one that you could go out and make a massive statement by bringing in um, at the back. The, the other one I've heard is uh, Paul Torres from Villarreal. 23-year-old. I just don't think he's necessarily going to come in. I think he'd be almost like a Laporte-style player where he's not necessarily the be-all and end-all. He's not going to be like transforming your back four, but a solid signing. I don't think we need a solid signing. I think we need an outstanding signing in defence. Kudabali is a great player, and I feel he just brings that defensive maturity. Um, I just don't think you're going to get that from any other player who's out there on the market that hasn't already been bought. I mean, the issue I find is centre-backs used to be sort of to a penny. You used to be able to get a good centre-back anywhere 
for a really sort of reasonable amount. And now they are the most sort of the, the, the prized possession of any club. They recognise the, the defence. Yeah, I think the, the, the problem is, is the way football is played nowadays, you need to be good with your feet. Like You need to be a ball-playing central defender. You can't just be a big, strong hoof it up there if you're in the top clubs like if, you, if you're playing for one of the bottom teams then yeah that's you, that's what you need but for for one of the top to get into the top four to, to tr- challenge for a title to challenge in the ch- uh, Champions League you have to be able to play the ball um, so there's so many more things you're looking for in a defender now than you used to um, and that's why they're harder to find you need someone who can play with their feet but's also big strong tough good at communicating yeah, it is a much more difficult. Equally with with goalkeepers, I think sort of where you've seen City, Liverpool, you're expecting pretty much every player on the pitch to be a ball player and player. Um, yeah, I, I've seen that we we've been linked with a new Turkish goalkeeper, Max. What, what's his name? Uh, it's a very interesting one. That um, obviously very well known Turkish goalkeeper. Ugar Khan Kagir. Um, what are your thoughts on him, Jamie? <laughs> I didn't know he was Scottish, firstly. <laughs> oh, you've obviously not done your research like I have this week. Um, I've certainly not done my research. I've never heard of this goalkeeper before. Um, but I've heard that he plays in a similar style to Oblak. So, um, I don't know what that means, to be honest with you. Um but if he's anything like a black, then that's a you know a very good. That would be a good signing. Um, in terms of stature, I mean, the fact that no one's ever heard of him would suggest to me that he would be brought in to compete with Kepper as opposed to getting rid of Kepper. I think, for, for in all honesty, I think you're bringing him in to, for as Willie's replacement rather than as a first team signing. Yeah, um, w- Willie's not young. He's 38 now. Um, and, and we've literally milked him for his last season, I think. Uh, I still think there's a there's an opportunity for us to go for Dean Henderson. The challenge I have there is he's not he's not in the same league as an Allison or an Edison. He's not going to be a ball playing goalkeeper. That's what we we're expecting Kepler to be. But I think Dean Henderson brings just a solid pair of hands, and, and you put him into goal. He is able to have that's, great shot, stop shots. That's what we well. need. That's exactly what we need. I mean. Even if we sign someone who's not great with their feet, if as long as they can get the ball out of the net better than Kepa can, then great, let's do it. Because I'd much rather have someone that's you know not great with their feet and keeps the ball out of the net because that is their job. That's their primary job. I, you, you can always train up someone like a Henderson to you know play a certain style of pass. It, how difficult really is it if you've got your centre backs going? to either side and you pass it to one of them. Like, it's not that difficult. If you've got someone steaming in and pressing you, pump it forward. Yeah. Like, you, would, you don't need, need do someone who's... stuff, right? Yeah, you don't need Cristiano Ronaldo in goal doing stepovers for you. You don't need that. You need someone that's going to stop the ball from going in the back of the net and you need someone that can play a simple pass. Now, I think pretty much every goalkeeper in the world can do both of those things, except for maybe Kepo at the moment, but... <laughs> honestly I, I don't see why it should be so important for us I think most important thing is have someone that can stop the ball going in the back of the net and, and from, from my perspective as you, as you just said 
we need to do the simple stuff right. Our defence is not mature enough to play the ball and play a stupid back pass and try and hit a, an amazing through ball. Just get the simple stuff right. We're not in the same league at the moment as a Man City or a Liverpool. And I don't think we're going to be for at least another season or two. Like we need another Unless season. Make the right signings. And, and I, don't, I don't think we need to go and sign a, de- a goalkeeper who acts as a midfielder. We need just one who can make the stops and, and drive those through. Um, the other one I'm just having a look at um, as, as we're going along here is a defender called Gabriel Magales. Um, seems to be big on an Everton and Arsenal's radar. Could be also an, an alternative. And I know there's not a ton of them on the list at the moment, but he plays for um, Lille at the moment. Brazilian defender, which we've not had much luck on over the last couple of days. I remember seeing him um, when we played Leo in the Champions League, and he, he does look good, actually. I was about to make a joke about the fact that if he's on Arsenal's radar, then we probably should give him a hard pass. Um, but actually, you know, I, I remember seeing him, um, and he, yeah, he, he does seem like quite a good defender. Uh, I've yeah. seen him a lot of him. Obviously, I've only just I've only seen him this season when we played them in the in the Champions League. But I mean, I do remember him looking quite good as well as they they had a midfielder, uh, Bubakari Samari, who was um, really good as well. At twenty two years old, I take him. Um, he's just one of those ones that, to be honest, what we don't need to sign is too many young defenders. We need a bit of maturity in defence. Um, but if the problem, got a- problem is, as I said, you've only got really Koulibaly is the only big outstanding candidate for that, that defence and £90 million for a 29-year-old is a lot of money. Um, yeah. But that is exactly what we need. If he, yeah. if he was 25, he would be the perfect signing. Um, it's just a problem that, you know, he's he's only probably got another you know, five, five, six years maximum in, his, in him. So, £90 million for that. Yeah, it's one of those ones. So, and and we, we've spoken around... So obviously Kai Havertz, um, some interesting players there. And and on the point of transfers, um, one of the points you mentioned here, obviously, with Kai Havertz is us getting Champions League football. Now, we're doing our our best not to be able to get Champions League football at the moment. But one of the big sort of point talking points will be tomorrow. So Man City at the moment are currently going through a ruling that potentially will either give them Champions League football back reduce their sentence or uphold it um and it's interesting we've heard mixed results i think there is a real potential that the the court of arbitration for sports potentially will give city football back for for champions league which would be a a kick in the teeth for everyone in football because although some of the stuff that was obtained the league in the evidence is not although it's a court it's not a legal court it's not a criminal court on which that can be inadmissible this is basically City saying yes we know we did wrong over a four year period but you've got to ignore that and and potentially that court's going to uphold that and yeah I mean I've, I've just on Twitter I've seen a lot of rumours to say that it's looking like that they're going to have it um, overturned so completely so not you know, not for one season, not for two, just completely overturned, which, I mean, it might seem like I've got my Chelsea tinted glasses on by saying this, but I think it's completely ridiculous if they do. The evidence is there and it's quite clear that they've been funneling money into the into the club from the owners. You're going to set a precedent at the end of the day and teams like probably Chelsea, PSG, um, 
are going to think, well, if there's no punishment for breaking financial fair play, then why should we follow financial fair play? I don't think it would be right. But, you know, money talks and I think City will get themselves out of it, it looks like. And and fourth place will still be what's needed for Champions League. And we've, I mean, I've always said we can't rely on that fifth place. Yeah. And no one, I think everyone's been looking at it the same way. Just you can't rely on fifth to, to do it for you. But... We'll know the positive thing is we'll know tomorrow morning. I think it was they said nine o'clock. It's going to be released um, the the final verdict. So tomorrow morning, probably around the time that this video is actually uh, released, we'll we'll know. And we'll be talking around it on Instagram and and other areas around what our thoughts are around this before next week's catch up. But from my perspective, there's two parts of me in, in this. One as just sort of a fan. It would be an absolute outrage to see City being put back into this. Considering Chelsea, um, we were punished for a whole year around um, our transfer embargo. That was upheld. We appealed that. We managed to get the appeal knocked off at half a transfer window, which we didn't use anyway. Um, but for me, as a fan who's actually had that inability to sign a player, and our season could have gone very differently, for better or for worse, if we'd had that opportunity to sign players in, in last summer. To watch a club like City therefore get the ability to play that would be absolutely ridiculous. And then secondly, as a fan, watching this and looking at our own form, at the potential of United and, and Leicester pipping us to a, a Champions League spot um, after battling so hard all season and no one expecting us to get it, would just be a real gut punch, I think. Um but we'll see. Uh, and as I said, look out for us on, on social media and we'll be uh, adding our two pence just before we get to sort of next week's catch-up, which I'm sure there'll be a lot to talk around there. So looking forward to next week, we've got Norwich and United. Yeah, Certainly not looking forward to United at all. <laughs> Norwich on the 14th, another big game in our, in our sort of fixture list for the Premier League, third and fourth spot. Norwich officially relegated, um, so there's nothing really to play for them. Bar there's also uh, no fear anymore. Nothing hovering over them. They can play with freedom and conf- not confidence, but they you know they can just go out there and have fun. Really, let's be honest. And, and, and there's a lot of clubs, that players you'll be looking for Premier League clubs to come in and keep them into next season. Whether it's absolutely a lead or someone from the championship coming up that have got a year's Premier League experience or some of the, the clubs that do manage to battle and stay up. I mean, there's not a, a huge amount of players that I would keep from that Norwich. I think there's there's three I can think of off the top of my head. They've got um, Max Ahrens, the fullback, yeah. who's uh, very good. Uh, Todd Campwell, uh, also a very good creative player. Um Pookie, probably, yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's kind of dropped off. Uh, since the start he had a really good start but yeah no he's, he's dropped off recently so maybe he he's going to be looking to get a few more goals before um, before he has to drop down again um, but no they'll, they'll be up for it don't you know don't think for a second they're just going to roll over they're going to play for a bit of pride now they they want to get as many points as they can still just they could they, you know that doesn't mean they're going to finish bottom just because they've been the first relegated they could still get some points and and climb up a little bit but no they'll, they'll be fully up for this game they're not just going to roll over at all no. and then 
exactly that point. I don't think Chelsea are ever going to enter this as a game that that really is going to be playing. I think Campbell's looking for a, a move to Sheffield United. All of those sorts of players are going to want to play to showcase why they need to stay. I mean, yeah. it's been written in stone for a while now that they're going to go down. Um, they've, they've been the only club that just don't look like they're able to compete to stay in the, the, the Premier League. So a lot of these players have been trying to showcase their individual performance to try and win these contracts. And I, I feel like you're, not, you're going to see the exact same against Chelsea. There's an ability to do a bit of giant killer mentality of, right, we might have got relegated, but we beat Chelsea just before the end of the season. And I had this great performance and I scored a goal. But it's one I expect to win. Uh, as much as sort of we are probably negative at the moment in talking around how our performances are looking forward, I expect to win. It, to be honest, if, if I was to put sort of the money on us winning, um, and I know that that really hasn't counted for much over the last couple of weeks, anyone could beat us and we can win any game. It really just depends on the luck of the draw, where which the moon Chelsea and the stars. Up. It completely like depends which Chelsea turn up, which team decide, if they decide to turn up and play, then we can go, we can riot, you know, we could go and get four, five, six. If we decide to turn up like we did against, uh, like we did on Saturday against um, Sheffield United, then we will lose the game. Um, so we just need the, the team to turn up. I think we really, we have to win. Firstly, it's, it's that close with us now with, uh, with Leicester and with uh, United. It's too close. And we, We've thrown away too many points now against lesser opposition. Yeah. We have to win. We have to win. And I think this, as I, you, you mentioned it earlier, we, we need to make a statement. We need to give ourselves that confidence boost going into the final two games, which are big games. I mean, the, the last two Premier League games we have, uh, Liverpool and Wolves. So two very big games, tough games. Um and we need that confidence. We need that boost. Um, and the other thing is it could go to goal difference. Like, it's, it's that close. And, you know, Leicester have lost 4-1 tonight. If we can go and, you know, get a big win against Norwich, then we might be able to catch up a bit. So, we, I think it is important we go out there and we get a good few goals. As you say, it's going to be a big thing around who plays. Um, so, I think there's rumours that Kante could be back. There's rumours that Kovacic could be back, um, which would definitely be a big sort of uh, win for us um, I think to be honest I would love to see at least one of those players playing because um, I feel a lot more confidence when they're in the squad um, and I think if we've got those there you won't see too much change from the squad um, I think you'll try and keep some of I think there potentially could be Rudiger return to the, the position if Christiansen's struggling which he has been but um, for me I think if you can get that midfield right, give that defensive cover from the midfield. And I don't think, I think Georgina has got to be dropped. I don't think he's got it at the moment. I don't know why he hasn't been playing over the last couple of weeks. And obviously we've just had to start him out of pure necessity rather than anything else in the last game. I think it could be a big game. To be honest, if I'm going to, we're going to go for sort of picking sort of numbers on, on what we think there's going to be there. My gut is it's going to be a 4-0. 4-0 Chelsea win. I think it's just going to be high scoring. If Frank's going to have, he's going to have to give them the hairdryer treatment after Sheffield United. He's going to tell them that the fans are going to be demanding a big scoring game, and I feel they're going to need to come out and build a big performance. So I'm going to go bold with four 0 What are your thoughts? 
I think it very much depends on what team he plays, who he picks. I think for me, it'll either be, um, it'll either do a 4-2-3-1 with um, Jorginho and Kovacic playing in the pivot, um, or he'll just go with Kovacic. Because uh, I, I don't think he'll risk um, Kante on a game like this, which really we should be able to win without Kante. Um He'll yeah. probably save him for the United game. So I, th- I think it, you could see either the four-two-three-one, or you'll see Kovacic um, playing at the back. I also would like to see um, Willian given a rest because he just looks exhausted. And also maybe Ruben. I think it would be good to give Ruben a, a start. I mean, he started that one game, um, the first game against Villa. He's obviously not fully at it yet, but it would, you know, I think Barkley and Mount have just played almost every single game and they need a rest as well. There's a lot of the players who have just been... Our, our, I mean, our team's been very similar every game. Some players have played almost every minute. Um, and, then, you know, we've most of our game. I think we've only had two home games since the restart. Yeah. All the other games have been away, so it's been, you know, a lot of travel as well. So players are probably getting tired. Um, yeah. It's not like a normal season where you've got a week between Premier League games. Like, it's all coming thick and fast. Um but no score prediction. I'm gonna I'm gonna say three 0 because every game has to have a three in it. So three, yeah, three nil Chelsea this time. <laughs> you heard it here first. It's it's the three impacts as soon as we've had the three logo go on our chest. There's been at least three goals by one team in a game in a Chelsea pit on any Chelsea game. Only a couple of times Chelsea have managed that. Um, so. Cookie there, I'm going to buck the trend with a four. Um, and then what I'll ask you to do next week, Jamie, is just do a three plus one on your shirt, just to add to that. <laughs> then comes the difficult game. So Norwich, I'm not sort of downplaying how difficult that will be and how important it is, but the United game. So it's FA Cup. Um, and I'm going to be gold here. I'm, I'm not that bothered if we don't get FA Cup. I mean, as much as I love a trophy, as much as any fan should, Big one for me is this has been a building season. Um, it'd be lovely to take be at Silverware home, but I would much rather stay in the top four. And that probably says a lot for the modern game. Um, I think sort of you go back a 10, 15 years, people would rather win the FA Cup, hands down. But Champions League football means so much for a club now. The amount of revenue it comes in, the prestige it comes for playing with the top in Europe, and the ability to compete for better players and better um, and, and build your squad in a different way it's imperative we, we keep that Champions League so I know United is going to be a difficult game um, they were the bane of our life in our first game proper back into the Zolf. Um Premier League with Frank and I think they're going to be a thorn in our arse next week um, because they're on in form their attacking is a bit frightening at the moment Um, I think what is going to be the biggest concern is the fact that we play a possession-based game where we like to keep hold of the ball and try and create the space. They play a counter-attack game where they'll soak up the pressure and they'll hit us with devastating effect. And look at just look at yesterday. Like we, if we don't score first, then we're screwed basically. and it just it depends which team turns up. I mean, if if the team that um, played against City turns up, then 
you know, we, we've got a chance. But the, the only thing is, obviously, they, they play in different styles, um, United and City, so it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to win. I mean, look at the the first game of the season. We played really well. Like I remember thinking we played really well and we lost 4-0. So even if we play, turn up and play really well, a couple of defensive mistakes, yeah, a couple of defensive mistakes and you're looking at another hiding. So I'm it's really not feeling confident it's about that game. If you look at their like, final four games, I've just got Southampton tomorrow night or tonight if you're watching the podcast. Um, Crystal Palace and West Ham, which if I'm looking at the run of form that both those clubs are in, they might have an issue with West Ham, but I'd expect them to win it. And then they've got Leicester on the final game of the season, which Huge. We, we mentioned this could be a big sort of end of the season when we mentioned that a couple of weeks back, there was no ambition that it was actually going to get to this point. There was there was someone who was going to be running ahead of the pack and then there would be everyone else. The pack is so tight between sixth and fourth, third at the moment. Um, I think it's just, it is going to be such an important game. There potentially could be... The, the final game of the season could define third, fourth, fifth and sixth. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. I think I think Wolves have kind of fallen down a little bit now. Um, they've had a couple of bad results. I think they've got another like win six. today. Got another yeah, win today. So they're like three points behind now. I think. Right? So uh, if I look at the them. league as it stands, so the league table currently is thirty-five games and sixty points for Chelsea with a goal difference of fourteen. Thirty-five games and fifty-nine points with twenty-nine goals. Uh, positive goal difference for Leicester 58 points for United but a game in hand and 26 uh, goals goal difference and then Wolves are on 55 so they are quite a bit behind the pack in that, that perspective but a good run of games that could mean anything um, yeah so it's I all to play I, for yeah I, I do think it will come down to uh, Chelsea United and, and Leicester the thing is, it's that's still in our hands. Um, if we win all of our games, we are guaranteed to finish in the top four because of the fact that uh, United and Leicester have got to play each other and also the fact that Leicester dropped points today. Um, going back to the, to the United game, um, I think it would be such a boost to beat them, like to knock them down a little bit before the, the final kind of run-in. If we dent their confidence by beating them, you know, it could make a big difference, not just, you know, to, to put us into the final of the FA Cup, but to how they're playing in the Premier League. They got then they have to then go to a, to West Ham. They've got to play against West Ham and then they've got uh, Leicester. So they're two games that, are, you know, they could drop points in if we knock that confidence. Otherwise, they're going to go through and steamroll both of them. Yeah. So I, th- I th- whilst, you know, maybe we're looking at the top four as being more important than the FA Cup. I think just the fact that we can beat them, especially considering they've beaten us three times already this season. Um, we, you know, it would just be so good to, to beat them as a fan, just as a one-off game, but also with the hope that it has a knock-on effect for the rest of their season. I think it could be huge uh, in that aspect as well. Yeah, massive. So, Chelsea fans... Thank you for another brilliant weekend at Chelsea Chat with me, Moose, and JB. Once again, please subscribe, hit the bell notification, 
um, and smash the like button and comment below on anything you guys want to hear more from us, want to hear more around Bulldogs, anything you want to hear, comment below. Um, we're happy to sort of talk through some of those bits and pieces and equally we'll tune in next week and, and listen to us on social media. Um, we're quite vocal there uh, as, as we are here. So uh, look forward to catching you next weekend. You stay, you stay classy, Chelsea fans. Ha, ha, ha.